about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. To Worst Gig Ever, another episode. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I am Mike Pace, and we are very excited to have you here this week because... This week we've got Jake Fogelnest. Uh, if you don't know, he was the former host of Squirt TV. He was a child star, 15-year-old. It was public access show, became a huge MTV hit for... for six weeks. Six weeks. Uh, but yeah... Uh, uh, in Wet Hot American Summer, and he's a UCB affiliate, and he's um, on Sirius XM Radio right now. Sort of a comedy wonderkind, yeah. or wonderkind. He's a nice guy, so he's a, he's a wonderkind. That's what kind. I translate that into. Nice guy. Uh, yeah, so so Jake, uh, but he's got some dark tales. Right. He's He, he, he kind of brings us uh, through his early years, and then uh, falling on, uh, stumbling, you might say, on tough times, and then pulling him up by his bootstraps, because he was a uh, sharp skinhead. <laughs> Little uh, we didn't get into that. He grew up in New that, York, early just... 90s. Yes. But it, it brings up uh, an interesting fact, because uh, both Jeff and I also happen to have been child actors. Well-known fact. And Jeff, what were some of the stuff that you were... Uh, uh, I mostly did some local commercials. I, I, my, biggest, my biggest thing when I was probably... I think I was five or six, uh, I was the spokesperson for Brody Jardinier. Brody Jardinier, that sounds delicious. Yeah, it's delicious. I eat it, you know, put out everything. I sometimes just eat it right out of the jar like a hobo. Brody uh, and that was actually the catchphrase uh, when I was a little kid. You would, they would say, hey, Jeff, how's Brody Jardinier? I'd say, I'll eat it out of the jar just like a hobo. It was great. Uh, my parents stole all my money from it, though. Uh, so, you know, I, the, I got the fame. I didn't get the fortune. Well, uh, hey. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> wait, wait. What was your? You were a child uh, star I, too. I yeah. I was. Uh, I was actually a uh, an assistant director as a young child oh, on really? a, uh, on a on a talk show uh, called the Geraldo Rivera Hour. You may have heard of it. Hmm. I, I never heard of it. Was it a local show? <laughs> no. This was this was a national. Uh, it was on the affiliates. Uh-oh. I used to uh, I used to help out behind the boards. I was kind of uh, actually a wonder kind of a child behind the scenes. <laughs> or wonderkind, however you want to pronounce. Depends it. on how. Maybe I wasn't that nice as a kid. Uh, so you so you sorry, decided mom. to go behind the scenes for this. I did one. a little behind the scenes work, although I was there for that infamous episode where the skinhead and the Ku Klux Klan guys were fighting. Right uh, on the show, I was actually the guy that got hit over the head before oh, Geraldo got punched in the face. That they made fun of in UHF. <laughs> Made by yes. Weird Al Yankovic. I wow, was, you are a star. I was 12 at the time, and wow. that's, and you know, from there it was, uh, it, I just, the stars were, were the, the sky was the limit, excuse me, and that's why I'm doing a podcast in my opinion. Wow, the, the episode with the skinhead. Not a sharp, though, which no, is no, a no, reference no, no. to something we talked about two minutes ago. There we go. And then we segue, though. <laughs> great job, though, but yeah, Jake Fogelnest. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, so yeah, listen for Jake. He'll be here in a minute. Eat Brody <laughs> Jardinier. But Brody Jardinier, eat it out of the jar, just like a hobo. <laughs> Hello, 
Oh, Jimmy Gestapo. Jimmy G Hi, like from NYC. My parents. Uh, this is Jimmy Gestapo. He's the love of my life. <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh, you're an original fatty member of Doc Martin Skins? Great. <laughs> You'd be dropping many suckers at my parents' house. Do Jake, I? why don't you just uh, yes, hello, spin some bullshit for us for a second? <clears throat> well, <laughs> let me tell you about uh, the early days. The uh, we had three lights at the Upright Citizens Brigade <laughs> Theater. We had a white light, a red light, and a blue light, and that was the lights. All right, we're with uh, Jake Fogelnest. Jake. Hello, Jake. Welcome to your hotel room. Oh, thank, thank you for you. thank you for coming here to my hotel it's, room. It's beautiful. beautiful. It is yeah. a nice hotel. Room. <laughs> it really is. This is the nicest place I've ever been. This is my say. my when grandparents had the same this whatever you call this wall for the listener. The wallpaper in this place is like a bamboo corduroy, a bamboo tie. Uh, <laughs> Look, you guys, it's the CBGB's festival. It's pretty, you know, everyone's accustomed to a certain lifestyle at this point. All us punks have gotten older. We don't like getting in the van anymore like Rollins. Like, hey, you think Rollins is staying in some shithole? Oh, no. Exactly. no. It's a jungle out there. He's at Tribeca house. He's at Tribeca Grand. Yeah, we're at the Tribeca Grand being fucking hardcore. So but it's like when Rollins would sleep in the shed, a.k.a. Greg and his yes, father's exactly. office. This is, what it, yeah, this is what it looks I'm like. Just, yeah, just going exactly. to collect my thoughts in the shed. A lot of deep wood. A lot of rich... Rich tones. Yeah. Actually, right. Greg Ginn's dad owns the Tribeca Grand. He, uh, Punk Hotel Number One. They got this. Uh, they got this place by selling old CB radio equipment. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so welcome. Uh, Thank you. So yeah, you're here for the CBGB festival. This yes, time I'm here for the CBGB's festival. I uh, uh, did a show at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater last night, which was really fun. Which, um, which I think we're going to put out as a podcast. We recorded it, me and um, Julie Klausner and Chris Gethard. Awesome. Uh, and I pulled a bunch of just old punk rock clips, like you know stuff like uh, the New York hardcore kids on Donahue, Best. and uh, you know the Ramones <laughs> on uh, Regis and Kathy Lee. Nice. And the uh, wait, when was that? Was it like Pet Cemetery? Nineteen. 19- 88 Ramones Mania. Oh, yeah. That's, pe- that's a little oh. pet cemetery. Little, yeah. yeah. Subterranean jungle era. My <laughs> God, did uh, Regis and Didi hit it off. The banter. Oh, no. Like, uh, you know. Didi, I love this guy. Literally <laughs> that. I love this kid. It's literally that. It's literally like, uh, uh, you take your wife out on tour, Didi? Do the girls go crazy for Didi? He's just obsessed with Didi. He locks in. And that's just because Regis is so good at television. Yes. And Didi's so good at being right. Didi. Yes. That it was just the, it's the greatest clip. It's a match. Ever seen. Maybe Dee Dee could be uh, uh, in the running for uh, co-hosting with uh, Kelly Ripa. That would be no. a, that. That, that would be, be beautiful. Is Dee Dee Ramone still alive? No, like, no okay. not at all. So the, no, the ghost of Dee Dee Ramone Marky, and Kelly Ripa. The, Marky Ramone is still alive. <laughs> yeah. Marky and uh, and Kelly in the morning, but the yeah, greatest. That would be fantastic. Hi, hi Kelly. This is Marky. <laughs> uh, I have spaghetti sauce that I. It's pretty good. It's uh, you could have it with penne. Uh, a little bit of a foodie too. Penne. Yeah. <laughs> me I and the penne. Me <laughs> and uh, our guest today is Anthony Bourdain. He's wow! <laughs> no reservations. Yeah. I love that shit. Yeah. I love we were, Jeff and I were talking about this, and this this goes part and parcel with Rollins and uh, the Chromags. No disrespect, 
No, please, 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 don't, please don't, because they will come and stab you. Yeah. Okay, I love it. Not- the CBGB's <laughs> festival is going on for seven seconds, and there's a stabbing at a Cro-Mag show. It's incredible. And, like, you could not plan that type of promotion. Like, but, do you remember what CBGB's was like? You could get stabbed at a Cro-Mag show. Could, <laughs> boom. Could we agree lovable jackasses lovable all around? Jack- oh, yeah, yeah, Bourdain, yeah. Rollins. I won't Harley. name the Cro-Mag's I'll guys for Harley. fear. I'm to you. <laughs> You don't know who I am. Don't stab me. Yeah. <laughs> what if he's super into podcasts? Yeah. What have you been up to, Harley? Oh, I've been just working out, listening to podcasts. <laughs> Worst gig ever. Worst gig ever. I hate those Top of the line. <laughs> um, Lock the gates. <laughs> it's fucking insane, though. That I love comedy. It's, but yeah, lovable fucking... Uh, wait, guys, what are we calling them? Jackasses. Lovable jackasses. I think the jacket, like these guys that Kinda just... Kind of bum you out. Yeah, but love you, love. But they've also done something of note at some point in their career. You're like, okay, that's untouchable. You can't touch Age of Quarrel. I will go see. Like every time Rollins does his, you know, spoken word shows. Which can we just say it's stand up? Like it's so. No, 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 no. no. He's a storyteller. He's a spoken word. (laughs) But he's getting the same amount of laughs as most of the stand ups that I see. I feel like oddly, it's. It's oddly even a fear thing on his end. Like, he doesn't want to call it a stand Okay, granted, because, yeah, but he's which not... Which is odd because he's Rollins. He's like. Rollins, and, and he's, no, he if he goes to, like, whatever Zanies in, <laughs> you know, New Brunswick... <laughs> the chuckle. Yeah, like, it's not gonna probably go... But you know what? Who wants to go to Zanies yeah. in yeah, the exactly. first place? Like, it's fine. Isn't the whole point to play... Rock? I mean, I don't know. I exist in a very specific right. alternative comedy sure. bubble, which I'm quite happy in, right. by the way. But I like, love if Rollins had, like, a tenure in Vegas for and, a while. He's <laughs> Danny Gann's spot. He's the new entertainer. Henry Rollins with special guest George Wallace. Yes, exactly. I'll that be at good. Knuckleheads in Levittown, Long Island <laughs> all week. That's great. <laughs> um... Uh, amazing. So yeah, CB's uh, festival has been great. So. Yeah, it's okay. been really fun. For the listener, this will probably be coming out well after yeah. CB's festival. So it was yeah. great. It was great. It was great. It was great. How, only a couple people got stabbed. Yeah. Uh, there was a stabbing at a, a Cro-Mag show and then a uh, another stabbing at Super Chunk. That's right. <laughs> yeah, amazing. <laughs> Clap your hands. Say yeah. Or- Someone got hit in the face with <laughs> yeah. some powder. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, great. So, uh, so... Jake, let's talk about you. Okay. For a bit here. Uh, so, where'd you start? Um, I started uh, here in, yeah. in New York City. Um, born and raised. Well, I was born in Philadelphia. Okay. And um, what, uh, my dad moved up here to New York City in like 1985. Mm-hmm. My mom uh, and I were in Philly until like 19. 19- was he on tour with the Chrome Mags? Yeah, he was on tour with the Chrome Mags. Oh, your dad's Paris. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, the my listener, dad... that's Paris Mayhew. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's Matt Pinfield. <laughs> um, no, uh... <laughs> no, um, my, no, my dad was a, uh, he moved up here because he was a criminal defense attorney mm-hmm. and there was a, um, a uh, big thing called the Pizza Connection, mm-hmm. which is just a group of dudes that may have been selling a lot of heroin out of pizza parlors, <laughs> and a uh, little bit of a conspiracy to <laughs> launder some of that money. Uh, so he came up here, was involved in it, was like a big uh, RICO trial and uh-huh. stuff, and and it was like a you know big deal for him. Right. And so he moved to New York, you know, for a couple of months to do, it, and he never left. Right. So then my mom at some point got a job here in, uh, in New York City uh, working for DC Comics, uh-huh. and oh. yeah, she's hmm. like a graphic designer. Oh. You know, and uh, and so she would commute every day from Philly to New York, Ugh. and you do that for like a year, and you're fucking moving. Sure. So when I was uh, so I would come up every weekend to visit my dad, 
and you know watch you know Manhattan Cable, uh, <laughs> and so I you know Channel J right immediately Midnight uh, Blue Midnight Blue Robin Bird Interludes After Midnight <laughs> which was my favorite show because it was just people naked having sure, a chat sure. it was be like if we Can't were doing that. this what we're doing right now with all of our clothes oh, yeah. off for the, listener, for the listener we actually do have all of our clothes <laughs> off it's hideous <laughs> yeah it literally it's like just awful people that shouldn't be naked right. naked on public yes, access. Right. Uh, so that was a big influence on me. <laughs> sure. Um, no, but then and then my and then so I would be here on the weekends with my mom, and then uh, I moved up in like 1993. Um, started doing my own public access show, and mm-hmm. then all hell broke loose. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you like? How did you figure out that? I mean, how did you figure out? It's a pretty bold move. It's it's taking the DIY punk attitudes the next level. I mean, yeah. honestly, Like I didn't do that shit. How how could you even before MTV get? A band to just come into your bedroom. And well, play. what what? See, that was just some sheer dumb luck right. uh, thing because you know I, I was talking about this recently. I, I figured it out. Um, first of all, anybody can do it. Like yeah. I had seen the John Waters movies when I was really little, and that to me re- resonated in a, in a big way because I was like, "Oh, that's a movie." Right. Oh, uh, okay. So anybody can do right. anything. Right. If these two hippies are fucking a chicken, right? Then and that counts as a movie. Yeah. movie. Then then wow, you can do whatever you want. Right. Um, so you feel it's paperwork you, you get on public access it's really no big deal um and you know why it became a you know successful thing and how bands started showing up like literally weeks into me doing it is um the show was on at a very specific time mm-hmm. where people still channel surfed right like uh and it was on channel 16 and mtv was on channel 20 and it was on at the same time as 120 minutes 120 minutes started at like midnight my show was on at 12.30, so people would flick through the dials, right. like when there was a commercial or whatever, right. you know, like, oh, cool Juliana Hatfield video, let me see what else is on. Right. They would land on on uh, uh, Channel 16, it would be like a fucking Devo video or something, yeah. and then I'd pop up yeah. and be like, hey, how's it going? That was Devo! <laughs> and... Uh, that, you know, people locked in sort of immediately. And then it doesn't happen what happened. Like, we're all of a sudden, you know, Thurston Moore is calling and the Beastie Boys and stuff within weeks of starting the show. Right. That was some weird magical uh, shit that it's just doesn't happen. Kismet that you yeah. And, and so, so that was some luck. You know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, look, it's like Robert Evans says, you guys. <laughs> no sentence ever starts good. <laughs> That way. It's that's not a good way to start an anecdote. Um, no, but it was like, you know, luck is the uh, intersection between preparation and opportunity. And uh, that's what happened to me, you guys. Did it change my life? You bet your ass it did. Was Jake good? Maybe. Maybe. Was he the best? You better believe it. <laughs> um, so, so you did... I mean, I think that's great. I think that is a huge... I mean, that's something that kind of comes up on the podcast, actually. Of uh, you know, related to you know, music and comedy and doing podcast, doing anything really is just you know, uh, people people think you need the permission. Like people don't understand like how like in bands you can just put out a record, yeah, or you can go on tour. Uh, comedy, like you can just start your own show. You can, yeah, especially now you can fucking shoot a video, and put it online, and you can have a and it's so f- and it's and it's like. Easy. It's in some ways it's harder. In some ways it's easier now. Like right. I think about like in the American Hardcore documentary right. where they have that map 
that, mm-hmm. that shows up. Of course, up. yeah. And 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 they just and it just showed sort of shows like how they would book the shows right. and distribute the records and stuff. That infrastructure is so in place now. Yeah. It's it's become huge. Yeah. It's become you know huge things like sub pop and yep. you know uh, you know it's. It's just so much. There's so much available to yeah. you at this point. Um, at the same time, because there's so much available to you, like in 1994, some jackass kid with a camera in his bedroom was like, you know, that was a novelty. Now it's literally the easiest, most yeah. annoying thing right. in the world. Can you think of anything worse than some teenager <laughs> yeah. with a webcam? Yeah, exactly. It's fucking like, no, shut up. Who wants to hear from yeah. you? Yeah, it's the hard part. It's where it's one of those things where, like, uh, yeah, for me, like, I always be like, oh, DIY is what I believe in. Like, you know, and that those kind yeah. of ethics, and that's what we're kind of fighting for with all the bands I was in. And like, you know, just thinking about that concept, it's just like this is what we do. You play basement shows, you go on tour. But yeah, now it's become where it's like, awesome. This is the thing that we wanted, and it's awesome sometimes, and then awesome why would not you at all in the other way. Ever, if you're a band, why would you ever sign like a major label record deal today? Right. Like if you well now now it's yeah I mean now it's kind of why would you even the only reason to sign with anyone is for the distribution right yeah or for That's the network it. of but I mean I mean because it's it, it's crumbled significantly in the Insanely. past ten years yeah. uh, to the point where right when we're playing music it's exactly <laughs> well, we caught we caught the tail end <laughs> of like at being on a label and yeah, getting right. reaping the benefits of that being right. on indie labels and reaping the benefits yeah, of yeah. that. The, the the meager benefits of that. Well, I find it fascinating but. now that like you can um, sell you know fifty sixty thousand records your first week mm-hmm. and have the number one yeah. album in the country. Oh, yeah. it's, like it, yeah. that. It, it's like I think about like you know the dudes from Metallica, like Lars Ulrich. He's like buying. Basquiat's and uh, you know fucking Warhols and you know Cindy Sherman's and like the guy's got a fucking expensive art collection that's his hobby the drummer from Metallica Um, he couldn't do that if Metallica started today because you just don't make that much money according to Kirk Hammett he can't do that now either did you see that thing (laughs) no oh that's right he like made some dumb dumb statement about how like we can't even like rely on royalties anymore we have to go on tour to support our like lives. our lavish our, our lifestyle fucking insanely he's bloated like, lifestyle yeah. he's like it's not guaranteed that we'll get one every month we'll only get one like well, every three y- months you know what royalties. jeff the problem with metallic is that their lifestyle is their death style <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it, that's gonna it's be determined <laughs> determined your lifestyle is your death style uh, yes um uh, yeah those guys like but that like that kind of rock star money right. That doesn't exist no, anymore. No, it's uh, the working class a little bit more. And it's it's interesting what we're finding when we talk to people who play in bands now or who did. Most mm-hmm. of the people that we've talked to so far kind of have had their moment, so to speak, to go for it, and are right. now, and are now doing it because they want to do it. Right. You know, we it's it's part of me. I'm still I'm never going to really give this up. Um, but even you know, talking to someone who you know maybe their band is doing well now, it's such a different experience. Um, then the definition of ago. well, is, the, right. the definition Different, of well right. is being able to, you know, we have to go on tour to sell any amount of records. Yeah. And this is the way that we're going to pay our rent right. and people come to the shows and like, this is the life of a working band. That's not at, not at, you know, to use our fabled U2 example who come up <laughs> in every episode, you, you know, you two are, have reached this, this level, you know, it's, I mean, I don't even know if it's plateaued for them, right? but you know, if you're not you two, or you're not, uh, you know, if you're not you two, kill yourself. If that's you're not, that's it. Podcast yeah. over. Harley <laughs> stab him. <'em. laughs> 
So your your dad is going to be representing Harley in the stabbing. Oh my God, no! (laughs) No, my dad. um, My dad is lives in Mexico now and smokes a lot of pot. Right. Okay. Um, He he's not he was not a wealthy guy at all. Not wealthy. He's just it's very cheap to live down there in Mm -hmm. Mexico. So he's you know just you know checked out. Um, He did bail Courtney Love out of jail one time. Um, all right, I'll talk to you guys later. Right, See ya. No, I'll, um, no, it, I'll never. It, it's the craziest story. I got a call at like four o'clock in the morning, uh, and it was from uh, um, my friend Natasha, and she was like, ah, "This is blood, this is, uh, Courtney Love. I'll call your dad in jail." And I was like, "What?" So I called my dad at like four o'clock in the morning, and I was like. I don't know what. Uh, look, first of all, I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> Sorry to call you at four o'clock in the morning. I'm in the house. I'm fine. I don't know what's going on, but my friend Natasha just called and she said, "Blah, blood, Courtney Love, jail. <laughs> call your dad. I think she's been arrested. Courtney Love's probably involved. Why don't you call her and and see what's up?" So he's like, "Okay," and. Uh, you know, hours go by and I'm like awake because I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know, finally, I get a call from my dad at like 730 in the morning. He's like, hey, I'm at Lit, which is the funniest yeah. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's amazing. For the listener, uh, <laughs> Lit is a somehow, consistently somehow shitty rock club on the Lower East Side. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm at Lit. Um, everything's fine. Uh, we got... Uh, Courtney out of jail and I'm like oh Courtney was in jail not my friend Natasha I'll talk to you later bye Clay. Um, no but what it what had happened was it was the night that she was at some rock uh, rock show in, in New York City right. and she um, a mic stand got tossed uh-huh. or something and somebody got hit and the cops arrested her oh and uh, and and for some reason she couldn't get in touch with her lawyers or whatever and my friend Natasha was hanging out with her and it was like we need a fucking criminal lawyer right and uh, and it ended up being my so there is like a photo a paparazzi photo of my dad and Courtney Love coming out of the and and, uh, and she's you know she's I think that's just I think kind of everybody has that story that sure. yeah. Like, oh yeah I have to get out of jail <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. you know <laughs> and she was you know lovely I just remember but like that is the only intersection between. Uh, my now he's like he's not a right, and he's out of the he's out of the business now. Yeah. And he's into the business of smoking <laughs> weed in Mexico. This and one's for you, Dad. Right uh, so to, to get back to Squirt TV and and MTV getting involved, yeah. and it's somehow becoming the best gig ever. Yeah, why don't you why don't you walk us through that? What would happen? Take my hand this? and walk me through this. Um, <laughs> what happened was uh, it became like sort of a, a cult show in in New York City, and uh, a lot of people were watching it, and so it, it fell into the hands of uh, this guy uh, Ari Emanuel at uh, at the time ICM. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ari Emanuel is literally Ari from Entourage, and is <laughs> Rahm Emanuel's brother. He's right? Rahm Emanuel's brother. Oh, crazy. Yeah. So he's the less successful brother that <laughs> that represents. Everybody, right? And um, and he was uh, my agent, uh, and he, uh, you know, MTV him pursuing you, yeah, 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 crazy, and like like came in and did the sell, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Which is ridiculous. did what the to a fifteen year old kid is based on, yeah, to right. a fifteen year old kid. 
and wow. you know, and and like swooped it away from like this other producer person too, wow. like just full on evil yeah. Hollywood awesomeness. Right. <laughs> um, so no, that he so then it, it was like you know, do you want to do this? As, like I think we could sell this as a real show. I'm like, well, sure, if I can. And I was very, it, it was kind of teenage arrogance, punk rock, and I was like, well, yeah, if we can continue doing it exactly the way that I want to do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then we did. Uh, right. Because what happened was it, it became uh, Comedy Central became interested, MTV became interested, right. and they fought, and uh, MTV won. And uh, at the time, Comedy Central didn't even have South Park, so right. it was you know uh, MTV was the was the bigger place to do it, and uh, and the better deal. And so yeah, so then it, it became an MTV show that way. I remember I did like a thing for like MTV News, like they came to visit me. I went to Spring Break mm-hmm. in Lake Havasu, Arizona. Uh, which was I don't a remember you on fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just like the, it was like the worst. Like <laughs> Pauly Shore and right. uh, you know Warren G. Here's and, a humongous world you're not comfortable in. Yeah, it, well, the only right the, the only time that I was comfortable was uh, the Flaming Lips were uh, playing because she, she don't, don't use, use jelly, jelly of course. was a hit and they and were and like only. we right. want to hang out with this guy and As I Steve went Steve on 90210 says yeah. I don't really like alternative music but these guys are pretty alright <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well it was the only thing that I gave right. a shit yeah. sure. about I went to Warren their... G wasn't cool yeah, it, wrestling piece yeah. I just was fucking with everybody like I remember just I remember I talked to Brandy you know <laughs> like I, it was just like not my shit not my world like, right how did I like how did even MT- I think back on it now I was like wait I'm fucking showing like Devo videos yeah. and 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 clips of God knows what and talking about what and MTV was interested yeah. at the time of like you know the state I guess the state was cool and that was but yeah. that was going off the air but like what else was on MTV the fucking grind right yeah you like, were you were you and the state were the weird blips yeah uh, you know like just of like how did this work out it's amazing it worked out but yeah. it's it's also the 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 almost apex of mid-90s indie rock right yeah Yeah. in the mid-90s of course yeah Yeah. it it was because there was that 120 minutes was 120 minutes and then there were buzz clips yep because they used to still show music videos and like yeah so you would but in those buzz clips was like stone temple like it was really it was hardly buzz worthy (laughs) yeah yeah but I don't know. It's, it's very. Str- it was a very specific time. Yeah. yeah. But the Flaming Lips were there, and they were cool. I mean, they were what just year as- was it? What year was MTV? What MTV started in nineteen eighty one? Yeah. No, no. For oh. I mean, sorry. Oh, ninety six. Ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. So yeah, right when yeah. you know Laupalooza is at its like yeah, it's it's like up and about to go down. Like yes. you know, everything is at that point. Of, it was almost the point of saturation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in was- the wake of Cobain. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Definitely. Uh, so I mean, it makes. It, it, it's like it oddly it doesn't make sense and it makes sense yeah. at the same time. Uh, and so, how long did you do the MTV version? That was on for six weeks. Nice, oh, <laughs> strong six. Strong. Well, they played it twice, <laughs> right. so it was on. Uh, yeah, we did six episodes. Like that's the thing that's amazing to me that like people still remember it because it was at that saturation point. Right. I'm like, this fucking thing was on for six weeks on MTV. Now it was on public access for like two years. Right. So the the MTV version of it uh, was you know I can't believe how much it was seen sure and that like people still uh, give a shit about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Because it really was a blip on the radar. Yeah, I think it's probably because, you know, people were looking for those blips. Like, you know, like I was watching – and if I was watching MTV, I was looking for 
the one thing amongst. Like even when I watched 120 minutes, yeah, you were waiting the for the one, one thing. Video. This is yeah. what we're from the crypt ditch yeah. digger. Yeah, but no, yeah. this what, Hazel Comet. Well, this like, is what we were talking about. This idea uh, before we started taping about telling uh, Jake about the uh, uh, Paul Stanley, uh, right. uh, you know, ban- stage, ban- ban- stage Which banter. Somehow but, I had never heard. I'd heard <laughs> the Venom one, but yes. the point was is that you just immediately. I mean, this, yes. this, this, this 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 argument, you know, is like being a dead horse. But it's the the idea that you just literally looked up Paul Stanley stage banter and, and listened to the entire record right. while we I sat in the room for 45 for, minutes. <laughs> you have to give me a cassette like three weeks <laughs> right. later. The idea... And, and you go, oh yeah, I remember talking but the, the, yeah. the point is is that this idea that we all were... Since we're all the same age, we were searching stuff. At the time, you were searching, you were actively looking for, if you had any interest whatsoever in cool or alternative, quote unquote, or underground music, you you were actively looking for it. You worked for it. Like, I, I mean, that's how I... And kids today... And these kids today, I They don't. I fucking <laughs> hate tweens. Yeah. Like, I just... I just, And I've decided that anybody that's under the age of 27 is nothing but a goddamn tween. Of course. Yeah. I am, like, and really... And they deserve to be shot. I, I don't I, like young yeah. people. I think it's very funny that, like, the, that I have grown up, like, I was like, you know, the cool teenage kid or whatever. Yeah, he's cool kid. And I've grown up into this adult that hates teenagers. Right. Like, hate right. them. Yeah, uh, they're awful. Worst generation ever. I it's don't just understand. My, yes, <laughs> According exactly. to uh, Jeff Daniels in the newsroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah. so then so post Squirt TV. Yes. What what happens? What happens then? Uh, before or after I got out of rehab. Oh, oh. Yeah. Well, there we go. Let's let's get let's get into <laughs> when, when we said rehab is the worst. Gig let's ever. get into some worst oh, gig no. ever here. Oh, that worst was a bad gig. gig. Yeah. And that was you know it's really interesting. No, I um look I grew up in the city and I was fucking famous from the time I was you know fifteen years old. Of course I had a twenty four year old girlfriend and we ended right. up doing a bunch of dope. Right. Like of course. Like, how could it go any other way? Yeah. I, I um, think about it all the time, like, of because I grew up in Connecticut. Yeah. And, like, so, like, I always think, like, I would have been eaten alive. Like, yeah. thinking, yeah. I can't even fathom thinking about, I mean, like, you think, going, like, you think about Harley and John Joseph running bare-chested and barefoot right. down the streets right. of Avenue D. It, yeah, when yeah. New York was a fuck, I mean. I mean, maybe that was a few years before that, but no, still, but it's the idea. Like, one that, or two. Yeah. yeah. Like, when I moved to New York, it was 1993, and I remember getting out of the Stur- car and, and, like, you know, we lived on uh, Broom and Bowery, and mm-hmm. at that point, it was you know, it wasn't, it was not Nolita. Yeah. Right, that did not exist. Yeah, it was like, oh, there's a fucking literally across the street. There's a uh, an SRO hotel, right. and uh, there's restaurant equipment supply stores, and it was like the tail end of. It being a, like a real dirt bag. Really, before right. Giuliani cleaned up the city oh, yeah. for yeah. white people. Pre yes, Giuliani, exactly. uh, it was it was starting to Lincoln's. happen, yeah. but it wasn't done yet. Right. Like, yes, you could go down the street and buy dope, and I did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I remember in in what nineteen ninety five, I was sixteen, going to see the Bouncing Souls at ABC No Rio. Yes, right. coming in from Long Island, right. and. At the time, what Rivington and whatever that is, yeah, you could yeah, buy like the, the cheapest and best heroin yes. in New York. And it was terrifying. Yeah. And we got there and we were hanging out downstairs at ABC No Rio and like uh, you know, we had to leave to catch the Long Island Railroad to go back. Didn't even get to see the band play. That was what happened when I came yeah, I came into that CB's to see I Hate God and mm-hmm. Anal Cunt. And so today's day. It's the second time broke. this weekend that anal cunt oh, has come up. Yeah, Chris Gethard brought up anal cunt oh, last yeah. night. Yeah, <laughs> my glasses broken because Seth from Anal Cunt did a flip and kicked me in the face. Uh, and then there were still four bands because that's CBGB's. Right. It's like midnight. And I what year was that? Train. 
96, 97. Yeah. Like, All right, so you know, it's, it's still, still a little bit still, later. Still, yeah. yeah, but it, but it was then. still going on. And, like, uh, yeah, so what, what happened was, like, you know, I, I fell in with the wrong crowd. <laughs> but, but, but just, like, one or two people from sure, the wrong right. crowd. And, um, That's all it takes. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm so grateful today that that's, like, beyond, you know, behind me. And I survived because um, the thing about um, heroin particularly is, like, if you've got, like, a lot of creativity or uh, a lot of stress, um, it shuts your brain off. It's the complete right. false sense of well-being right. at all times. And I really needed that I as a kid. I was to say, this sounds pretty good. Oh, no, let me tell you. <laughs> as a straight-edge 33-year-old. Heroin <laughs> is, is it, 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 it works as advertised. The problem is when it stops working, it stops working right. big time. And it stopped working for me when I was, like, 17. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I just was, it's just, it's really, I know it really freaks some people out. I'm so far away from it at this point mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that I'm very comfortable talking about sure. that. And, and, you know, I'm sober today. I, 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 and, and it's, uh, it's just, I'm very grateful. And it's very normal to me. I don't you yeah, know, yeah. particularly have, I have no desire. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a huge factor. What's amazing um, is that, you know, that wasn't the end of everything right there. Yeah. Like I, I, they replayed, um, I was on the Howard Stern show when I was 17. Oh, that uh, must've been amazing. It yeah. was terrifying. It was great. Cause uh, what was it? It was that what? 96, 90, like 96 that was, right after that was my flipping at late at night on Saturdays. That would be oh, Howard Stern f- show on TV. Channel nine. Nice ball, Saturday night Live. Yeah, yeah, it was great. That was, great. That was a great didn't night. Didn't now wait, no, I did the same thing. Yeah. This is, this is private right when he's making private parts. And he's talking about making private parts before, every day. Yeah. It's before, it's right before, before he started filming private. Parts. Okay. This yeah. is a good time for, yeah. for yeah. It was a great time. And what happened was I had after score TV, after getting out of rehab and, and like kind of getting, my footing um i had started to poke around k-rock and they were thinking about hiring me so that got back to stern and he wanted to have me on to uh you know talk to the kid who screwed it all up you know <laughs> uh he wanted to hear that story so i went on and i sort of cagely told the story but they replayed this last year i was uh, uh i got a, a a text or call somebody said turn on howard 101 on sirius you're on wow and they're talking about how you're gonna come on i turn it on and it's this interview i did when I was 17 years old, this is like, I guess, 17 years ago. And it's amazing because I'm listening to it and I'm going, that, that could have been it. This could have been the last anybody heard of me. I could have had no career past this. Mm-hmm. Here I am, years later, I've done 10 million things. I've lived a whole other life. Um, okay, I'm going to stop stressing out about everything now. Yeah. If I'm still here and still, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like between SNL and, and, and Best Week Ever and going back to MTV right. and selling them a show again, which is <laughs> the funniest thing ever. It's like me and uh, Tom Giannis, you know, in like 2005 or whatever, we were like, uh, what if we did a show if uh, about me if I had never grown out of uh, doing Square TV. And I was desperately in my uh, mid-20s trying to get it back. Right. So we went and pitched that and TV ended up buying it. We made a pilot, which I put online recently. I just, just saw it. Yeah. I had never seen it before. It's great. Yeah, it's really I funny. It was, I think it was a great show. Yeah, it was really yeah. funny. I don't know how we would have done any more of right. them. I, I was... Put all of your energy. I, let me tell you something. I was dumbfounded they bought the one. Sure. So when the thing did not get picked up, I was, first of all, relieved because yes. the idea of doing any more of them was insane right but uh but but i was just like no it was great because it finally answered the question of like hey well what happened to that thing oh here you go yeah. uh, in a very funny way but 
you know, hearing that that Stern show replayed, it was like, wait, I've had a whole other fucking life. Be- I mean, it really could have been it. That could have been yeah, the end right, yeah. right there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I found so- – and the Upright Citizens Brigade played a huge uh, role in that because, like, 1999 is right when the theater opened. They came right. to my – whole, my whole thing about UCB is that – I always say they came to New York City in 1996, uh, got up at Luna Lounge and said, hi, we're the Upright Citizens Brigade. We're going to get our own TV show. We're going to start teaching classes. We're going to get our own theater. And for some reason, everyone in New York just said, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Yeah. And it happened. And yeah. and I remember you know, meeting all those guys at UCB in 1996. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, no, at, at Luna Lounge in 96. Uh, and going to see their early shows at, so- at Solo Arts, even before that at Rebar. Mm-hmm. And uh, 1999, they opened up a theater. I was 19 years old, and it was like right the perfect time. And it was great because I found, oh, my God, there are people my age uh, who all share the same interests and want to do comedy stuff. And and I learned how to do it because my my whole problem was it all happened so fast. I did not have any time. It was like, here, you know everyone. Take any meeting you want. You have access to everything. Okay, I've not learned anything yet. I kind of had some raw talent that got way out of control. Uh, and but I haven't learned anything of a of a craft. Right. So can I go do that for a little bit? And thank God there was a UCB theater and a UCB theater in its infancy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was like it was like me and Sheer. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. it was it. And as you point out, like I mean, I'm sure it was kind of refreshing to you to, like you said, to have people finally of your age. Yes. Doing the same thing as opposed to like. Oh, you're the anomaly. Yeah, the, I mean, know. look, it was fun to hang out with like Russell Simmons from sure. the Blues Explosion <laughs> and him give me Exile on Main Street for sure. the first time <laughs> and the Big Star Records. Like right. that's lovely, and I'll cherish that forever. But it, he, you know, he was in his 30s yeah. at the mm. time, and I was, you know, I was a kid, and the, and that this is why I'm like very cautious about like young people starting out today. I think yes, you want to treat. You know, a young person that's in in comedy or music or whatever. You want to you want to let them do their thing, sure. But this idea that we're all peers and like mm-hmm. kids hanging out with adults it fucking freaks me out. Like yep. because, yeah, it's the, the, there's it's not balanced. Right. You know what I mean? Somebody that's seventeen is not on the same yeah. level as somebody yeah. in their thirties. And I, 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 yeah, I definitely feel like I, I I think I feel that in UCB sometimes. And yeah, I definitely feel that in the punk world where I'll be like, you know, like oh, we're all thirty. Like, why are these certain people still like hanging with the nineteen year olds? Like, yeah, something like about staying that. in that town and then just like it kind of. I mean, and I think that you want to be you know friendly. Like last night I went into UCB and I was you know talking to right. everybody, the interns, and they're so nice. Yeah. you know they're ten years younger yeah. than me. Mm-hmm. They're like you know twenty three, and some guys writing. I, I walked in, this the guy's writing jokes and stuff. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm trying to write jokes for uh, SNL Weekend Update. I'm like, oh, I did that. What do you see your jokes? You know, like, and I want to you know be helpful and nice and stuff. But uh, but it's also like um, like there's a that's a big gap. Ten yeah. years is a big gap, and like there's just certain shit that you got to go through. Which um, I it's 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 interesting that you bring that up because uh, and this is something Jeff and I talk about a lot. Is that I I relatively recently got involved in UCB after years of always wanting to, yeah. but I mean I played in a band for yeah, yeah. the majority of my twenties and didn't have. I couldn't devote the time to doing that mm-hmm. between whatever you know no, all, all the responsibilities. Yeah, and this is and this is something that that comes up repeatedly in the podcast is that especially for Jeff and I and guys who like 
did music seriously and like we weren't doing stand up we weren't like in our 20s we weren't, we weren't like we, it. Right. yeah we weren't like try really we were trying to in a different van exactly so i mean you you have a number of years on me and you you know you've been involved in <laughs> well, it for a little while <laughs> Not to blow any smoke, Look, but... Look, way funnier than you. I mean, that, 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 that's been established. That's why he's got the Radio Shack. Uh, but it's... As someone, you know, 33 now, that's like taking, you know, sketch writing classes now yeah. and being the oldest person in the class. Yeah. Right. And for, like, really the first time in my life is, like, I'm the oldest guy. Right. And then, but then it's this other thing about, you know, well, everybody's on their own path and you can't compare yourself. No, you, to, you really know, can't. It's like a, that, that's what we talk yeah. about. Like, you it's just having to accept that. Look, know? I, you know what I mean? I think it's very interesting. It's like, first of all, everybody's on their own path and everything lands where it's supposed to land because, look, I had my own fucking, you know, show. I'm hanging out with fucking Sonic Youth or whatever and I'm nine mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I'm 33 now and we're both sitting in a hotel room. I mean, it all works out right. yeah. in the wash. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't matter and, and everybody's... And I've seen, like, you know, people go into different phases of their life, do things that like, whoa, that person did that. I never would have expected that to happen. And mm-hmm. it's just wonderful. Yeah. You know what I mean? The trick is to just be fucking nice to people. Yes. Like that's uh Don't be a dick. The just, UCB philosophy yeah. is the it, strongest philosophy. It really yeah. is. Like, and that's what I, if I learned anything um, at UCB that is like the most important mm-hmm. thing in life uh, is just, hey, just fucking be nice. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. be a dick. Like, you know, there's something to being supportive. Right. And I'm definitely someone that's like, if somebody else, somebody else's success is not my failure. Yeah. That shit drives me crazy when people are like resentful about somebody's like, you know, f- good fortune or success. Right. And it's like, and I also learned that like, Oh, some people that are like, you know, hugely like, oh, I don't want to work that fucking hard. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't like when people are like, people shit on Whitney Cummings or whatever. And um, in the alternative world. Right. And I think that's the dumbest fucking thing. It's just like. No, she's doing exactly the show that she wanted to do. She 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 works so fucking hard that she has the show that she's in and the show she created. Right. They're both on the air. The, the, one of them just went into syndication. Mm-hmm. She's a bazillionaire and getting her voice out, the yeah. voice that she wants out. So we're pissed off about what? Right. Uh, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be for you. It's like there's this guy on Twitter right now. It's not for me. This, this guy, uh, Colin, Colin Kane. Okay? <laughs> Colin Kane... Look, it, I'm not even offended by right. his material. Yes, Boring. it's misogynistic. It's whatever. You know what I mean? He's doing that thing. Yeah. Uh, it's that's not offensive to me because it's just easy. What's offensive to me is that that counts. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just kind of like yeah, that's sort of base level stuff. You know? Yeah. But the the hatred and torrent and the editorializing right. of his fucking Twitter feed. It's like uh, let the guy. Okay, so you know, let the guy. Suck. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. If, like, and, granted, we're all kind of snobs here. You know what I mean? Let him go do the the comedy club in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, right. um, where that crowd is going to exactly. fucking it's, love it's him. Also, so what? It's also that, you know, well, you're not also trying to be that guy. I'm that, yeah, not that's, at all. Yeah. So, that's so, a, it's a huge it's, it's, yeah, thing for I, me lately. Yeah. You know, like the whole, like, yeah, one of, like, learning to not be angry. Like, of just, like... Fuck it, Nickelback is Nickelback. Yes, like, it's another speed. another example uh, is the the shit that Nickelback. It's like they fucking who cares? Yeah. It's not like you were trying everybody. to be in a band that, that sounded like Nickelback yes, and you didn't make it. Yeah, getting upset about things that it's like, well, you weren't trying for that, and you didn't necessarily want that. Yes, like, to be like. 
to really beat yourself up of like, why is this person writing for this sitcom that I don't care about and that's not really a job yes. I wanted to do. Yeah. Yes. And or applied for or, or applied tried to. Or yeah. for, tried to do. Uh, it's just a blind fear yeah. and hatred. Yeah, blind fear and hatred, like, and it's just worthless. Now, I think there's something to, there is like, you want to have a certain amount of anger that oh, fuels God. comedy. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's healthy. Anger's the greatest thing in the world and being a snob is awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. <laughs> you know, I like, I, I am the first to admit that like, you know, when people are like, Ooh, to me, I'm like, I, look, I'm not for everyone. Yeah. I'm really not for everyone. I am not trying to even be close to a, like a Jay Leno right. where I'm liked by America. Yeah. I, I literally, it's like my friend, um, Leslie got into some trouble. She writes on girls and stuff uh-huh. and somebody, uh, oh, I uh, went to high school with her. You know, Leslie? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Went to yeah. High school so she got, uh, a bunch of uh, shit on, on the internet for a, a joke that was fine. And, uh, somebody, which it, is what it was. Just yeah. It was just a and fine joke. Yeah. And and somebody in some article about it said uh like, you know, this is about, you know, entertaining uh her friends and the people who are in on the joke. And I was I saw that quote and I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm going for people that get it. Right. And and my friends. And I literally don't care about anyone else. Right. And you know what? We live in a world now that has become so uh, uh, segmented and it, we uh, and it's so narrow casted and micro casted. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You can make a living and have a kind of good life just going for those people. You don't have. There's not four channels on where right. we all have to watch Dallas because right. it's on. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? It's it's like no. There are 300 channels and they're yeah. all you know making money. And and Dallas is on one of those channels. That's the right. new Dallas. Wait, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> One of those channels rebooted Dallas. I, did you ever? I never watched Dallas. I did. Yeah, I did watch it when I. Was I you younger. did. You did. I did a little bit because you know. Okay. Well, this is the thing. I could imagine Dallas being maybe worth watching now right. uh, and checking. I don't know if you guys have seen. If you go to the movies recently, they have this fake kind of infomercial conversation between for as promo for the new Dallas uh-huh. where they have the ca- the old cast and the new cast and outside in like a Texas ranch. Oh boy. And like, you know, when the camera is like, it's a steady cam swooping around the right. table with JR sitting there and the new generic looking young guy. And, you know, and the reason why people care about the show is because it spoke to everybody when it was original <laughs> and it's nauseating. <laughs> exactly. so, ch- so catch the new Dallas. So it's going to be Dallas on uh, this way. Also, you're going to love knots landing on Spike. <laughs> Uh, so okay, so you go through rehab, yeah. Stuff. Uh, and then so so. And by the way, shitty rehab, and I and and I, you know, look, it helped. Some of that really helps right. a lot of people. But I went to, and I, you know, and it was the time that I went. But it was one of those places where they yell at you, and right. they're like, yeah, "We're gonna break you down to yeah. build you back up." Which, uh, by, by the, the way, re- does not work. Got right out of rehab, yeah. you know, uh, you know, stayed sober for a little while because I was scared, sure. you know. And then in my twenties, like I looked around and I was like, uh, I was I was twenty, and I looked around, and I was like, eh, "Well, it's all right. I, I can have a beer," and I did. And, it, and the world didn't collapse quite yet. Right. You know, like it, it took a little while, but then it got to a point where it's like, oh, wait, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. And, and, right. and then stopped yeah. and didn't go to rehab, you know, went to the place you go to where we all, where people gather, you've heard of it, you yeah. know, and, and that was great for me, you know, yeah. but like, you don't need, you, 
the rehab, Bob Forrest, I just saw this documentary. The, uh, Wait, from, you, from, you're talking about the place where everybody knows your name. Yes. Yeah, the Cheers yeah. bar, right? <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, no. That That's where it a little harder. Going. They serve booze. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, uh, it's like ginger ale. It's just oh, that they, okay. they, they shot for Shirley Temple. Temples. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Bob. I w- yeah, I went to see the uh, Bob Forrest documentary. And, uh, you know, he's in Thelonious Monster, and Mm -hmm. uh, he's the guy from Celebrity Rehab with the hat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the the guy with the hat. (laughs) Now I got it. He's the guy with the hat. And uh, and he's amazing. And he's had, like, this, you know, he had a crazy life. And he has, like, the rehab thing figured out. Right. Uh, Because what happens is, you know, the, the... it's just as corrupt as any industry. They, they yep. charge these uh, uh, parents like you know thirty, fifty thousand dollars to send their kid to rehab. Thirty days later, the kid's on you know you know fucking meth again, <laughs> yeah. and the and parents are like, what? So then they've gone into this thing with like harm reduction, and right. you know it's just like, well, here, take these drugs. You're not really on drugs, but take these drugs. Right. And no, that's you just, you know, he's getting back to the philosophy of like, no, you just got to talk to another person that's had the same problem. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got better. Yeah. That's like when like the real fucking peace came into my head was when I just spent time talking to other Mm -hmm. people uh, that, you know, also had the same like, oh, so what do you do in that situation? Right. Or how do I deal with this? And then all of a sudden, your brain shuts yeah, off, right. and you can relax. Yeah, and, yeah learning how to cope with yeah. these things, which you can how only to deal with life. You uh, can only get that. There's something about the phenomenon of one person who has those kind of problems mm-hmm. talking to another person who has those kind of problems that works. Right. Yeah. So and so, where you were able to start working again. Yeah. I mean, and and start doing well, a lot first, of writing. I had to take some time. You know sure. what I mean? Like, and I'm really glad that I did. Like, there was about a year where I didn't do shit. Right. You know, I did. A little bit, you know, to, to, to make a living and stuff, yeah. but I didn't really do shit. And then you get stronger and, you, and you're and you like, no, I can take on more. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and thankfully, um, I, we, you know, I have a lot of great friends and we work in a industry, I guess, where, you know, that's creative and people are very forgiving. As right. long as you can show up and do your thing right. and you're nice – uh, yeah, people want to work with you. So I've been very lucky that like, yeah, you know, I could take some time because that was always, that's always a fear that people have is like, well, what if it, all my heat's going to die down right, and, right. and I can unequivocally say, boy, is that horse shit? Yeah. Because I took a bunch of time, and then the, literally, like, the day that I said, nah, you know, I'd like to do some stuff again, immediately. Yeah. People were like, great, come do this. How about this? Mm. Da, da, da. And uh, I was just talking about that with my buddy Nate yesterday about, like, you know, to think of taking a break from certain things and, and reinvesting in other types of comedy, except just in the comedy world. Yeah. But, and he was just like, he's like, look, you got the week where no one, like, the calls stop. He's like, the minute you say you're interested, the calls start again. Exactly. Like, just, if you work hard. Like, if you work hard, yeah. You have to do the work. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It, it's, the, you know, it does not happen unless you, first of all, you have to make the call and not be afraid to make the right. call. Right. Which is a lot of uh, people are afraid to. Yeah. And there's a way to do it and not be b- smart. Look, like, hey, yeah, like? it's not like, hey, what's good? Uh, what do you got? What do you got for me? Like, <laughs> like, no, you have to create thing and come to people with like, hey, I was thinking about this. And, right. You know, there's just a way to. I can't mm-hmm. explain how to be a human being to people. You know? <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> All right. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> uh, but so then, there, so there was there was uh, best week ever in there, and yeah. you did some weekend yep. update. Yeah, I did. Well, that was really, uh, you know, fun. I was hanging out around Saturday Night Live a lot mm-hmm. um, with uh, Jimmy Fallon, Horatio Sands. We became really good friends with, uh, still really good friends with Horatio. So two days ago, we had a barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jimmy. Uh, and, you know, we were just hanging out at UCB. And then um, Jimmy got Update. Jimmy got Weekend Update. And he had had it for a couple of weeks. And then he, he 
you know, out of the blue said to me, he's like, hey, you want to you want to send in some jokes for, for update, you know, to really use your help and stuff. And and it was just like, you know, like freelance contributing, like they would send the setups and, yeah. uh, you, you know, you get paid by the joke. And um, I fucking took it really seriously. And I got jokes on, yeah. you know, and that was, I don't know, first time you get a fucking joke on Saturday. Sure. Like your brain explodes. It was a huge deal to me. And um, and I always like will, you know, thank jimmy for that because it was just like you know and no i wasn't at 30 rock or whatever but it was you know i'd been there plenty of times and Mm -hmm. and uh i've had really good experiences with that yeah uh and everyone's been really really nice to me there and and then you know doing all the stuff at ucb like you know it's just been it's been amazing yeah i got to do weekend update we did the pilot for mtv and then um and then i went back to k-rock uh Mm -hmm. because uh Oh, you had been working at K-Rock as a I worked like at K-Rock DJ. when I was a kid. When I was like 17, I worked at K-Rock from like 17 to 19, and then I quit, right. um, which was truly one of the dumbest things. Like, <laughs> if you have a job where they will pay you to introduce songs on the radio, right. and it takes like 10 seconds, uh, you fucking do the job, <laughs> and you do it forever, and it doesn't have to do with, and it doesn't have to be Anything else that you do, right. like I, there, I, this, is the thing that always fucking makes me crazy about disc jockeys. Is disc jockeys try desperately? This is your job as a disc jockey: introduce a fucking music, yeah. be be slightly amusing if you can. Don't be annoying and shut the fuck up. No one wants to hear you. They want to hear the music. These fucking disc jockeys, all of them, try to shoehorn in their entire creative output into the 15 seconds before a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. (laughs) And it's like, why don't you just introduce the Red Hot Chili Peppers song and do everything else everywhere else? So that's the... No, no, man. I'm going to be the next Bubba the Love (laughs) Spot. I just got my dick sucked. Here's Suck My Kiss by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I told of rock and roll. (laughs) It's literally that. So I never had the philosophy of that. So, So as a result... People like me yeah. uh, at the companies that I work for and on the radio. You know, you're some not people forcing your personality. No, like, which is which is it's so transparent when oh. you see people like it, it's the same as people making the call, but making the call in the wrong way. You're yes. forcing a personality of just like immediate people, just like or somebody that? forcing some fucking scene, right? It, because you know, if someone wants that personality, you probably don't want to be doing work with them necessarily anyway. Yeah, people are desiring that shitty personality. I'm not going to be happy here anyways. I left K-Rock because this program director, uh, this guy, Steve Kingston. uh, Pig vomit. Yeah. It wasn't pig vomit, (laughs) but he said to me, he said to me very clearly, listen, man, we're in the business of broadcasting, not narrowcasting. And I just said, oh, this is, this is, you know, and I was just doing the Sunday night new music show. It couldn't be more fucking narrowcasting, but he was looking to launch future hits. And the future hits at that time was like Puddle of Mud and Mm -hmm. like, you know, and I was playing Slater Kenny. And so literally I quit a fucking radio job in New York City because I couldn't play a Slater Kenny song. Now, I look back on that now and it's crazy, but I'm also sort of very proud of it uh, because uh, first of all, his whole thing, we're in the business of broadcasting and narrowcasting. Well, guess what? Uh, the business of broadcasting doesn't fucking exist <laughs> right. anymore. 
It doesn't exist. And, uh, you know, he's not really in the business anymore. Right. He's, a, he's with his ton of money yeah. uh, somewhere else. Yeah. He's got way more money than, than I do. Yeah. Uh, so he's fine. But um, but he's like, you know what I mean? He's just kind of a... I didn't like him. Right. I didn't like the guy. And then I went back to K-Rock years later because somebody said like, hey, you should meet this guy, Rob, that he's a program director at K-Rock. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I can ne- <laughs> fucking, you know... And they're like, no, he's different. Go meet him. And I met Rob... And I still work with Rob. I work with Rob at Sirius now. Right. And Rob is fucking awesome. Rob was like, hey, uh, your friend Paul Shearer is funny. Why don't you guys go on um, at night and you'll play the music, but talk a little bit too. Nice. And he, it was, they put me and Shearer on. Shearer was not on TV right, or anything right, yet. Right. This was just my friend. We were if a couple you were of guys. UCB, you knew like Shearer's. Yeah, you knew Shearer was really funny. And, but it was like, hey, why don't you guys just do that? That this guy would do that. Right. And that was the environment that I was in at K-Rock for a couple of years until Howard Stern announced that he was leaving right. for a satellite radio. Then all hell broke loose. <laughs> and then what happened was, uh, and this is, this is where I, I knew it, things were crazy. <laughs> Basically what happened was uh, David Lee Roth came on the Howard Stern show. Of course he did. To <laughs> announce that he was the uh, replacement. Oh, oh, God. So I hear... Bop, I'm back. <laughs> so I hear this and I go... Oh my God, people don't realize that this announcement means that like people are being fired right, right now all across the country today on CBS radio. Because there were some stations that were flipping to the free FM format mm-hmm. that day. So people are driving into work to find out that they're losing their jobs from David Lee Roth. <laughs> this did not oh, sit yeah. this, did all right. this did not sit well with me. So I said, all right. I had just come off working at right. K-Rock, and I said, fuck this. I'm going back up there. I went up, and I said to Gary, I said, Gary, does Howard know that, he, that David Lee Roth just fired a bunch of people? <laughs> oh, boss. And, he, and Gary's like, you, you go in to talk to him. <laughs> so I go in, and I'm on the air with Howard and for like an hour talking about this whole thing. Uh, then I start going on the radio myself, and I figure I am fucking out of here in 10 seconds. They're going to switch to an all-talk format. Um, I call Sirius. I start to negotiate a deal with them to go over <laughs> there, thank God. Uh, and um, I just start doing whatever the fuck I want on the radio. Right. I'm playing the pogues, right. okay? <laughs> like, it's just I'm being a dick and I, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's like radio. Th- this is over. I'm, what am I going to go fucking move to uh, uh, Cleveland and start again? It's never going to be my life I've, uh, ever. So, um, so I am, I get a call and I am suspended. They're taking me off the air and I have to go meet with the new program director because Rob, who had hired me, is left to serious. Right. There's an exodus in place. <laughs> I go to meet with this program director guy. Um, this is after I've been on the stern, after me being a dick. And I think one of two things is going to happen. He is going to either let me back on the radio for uh, a couple of months until the format switch, or I'm fired because he thinks I'm crazy and it's over right then, right there. Right. Instead, he offers me my own late night talk show. So I go, this is a fucking retarded organization. <laughs> this is going to last for six weeks. Right. Let me go make a deal with Sirius and I'll right. take this dumb talk show. Sure. For the, the amount of time that it lasts. Sailed which out I, a sinking ship which, for a while. Which I did. Mm-hmm. And I brought Jackie Clark in as a co-host. Yeah. And we did a fucking ridiculous late night radio show. Jackie Clark who's amazing. Who's amazing. She writes on Happy Endings now. She's the best. And we did this insane late night radio show uh, with barely any supervision uh, for six weeks until David Lee Roth 
uh, flamed out. <laughs> and the best was they gave me the late night talk show, but they made me do the overnight uh, just playing music from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. on Sunday night, which I took because I knew that every morning at 5.30 a.m., David Lee Roth was going to come in the studio. <laughs> right. And I was going to have to spend time with David Lee Roth, <laughs> which I did for about six weeks. Wow. I saw David Lee Roth every morning at fi- every Monday morning at 5.30 a.m. How's that guy looking early at the morning? Holy shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. David oh, Lee- God. What I figured out about David Lee Roth is that he has 1,000 anecdotes, right. okay? And he will tell you and all of them. And then he starts over from the top. That is, that is, that is the, the, the pageantry of David Lee that, Roth. Well, I mean, Jake, it sounds like you've had – I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah. A lot, a lot of yeah. gigs across a, a varied spectrum of life. That right. made no sense, uh, what I just said. A lot of gigs across a very uh, varied spectrum of life is my favorite Yes album. There, there we go. I love so much. The cover <laughs> of that one is beautiful. That was, that was right before the big hit, it's the right big before, early yeah, Owner right of a Lonely Heart. Yeah. Right after Tormato. Uh, Tormato, uh, what, uh, Save the Whale, the big hit <laughs> off that <laughs> one, album. which is uh, late period. Tormato yeah. is also my Tormato. favorite UCB Herald team. <laughs> yes, exactly. Was there if a, only was, they knew what it was. <laughs> there, was there was a Herald team called Tormato? No. That would be. Yeah. I, um, Bobby Moynihan had the best Herald team name idea ever, and nobody ever took it, and he just wanted to call it uh, Herald team Nicholson's dick <laughs> and i don't know why nobody ever hopped nobody on ever that was the really good one i wanted to call a team elvis costello and the attractions That's because right. then on the fucking flyer it'd be like you know uh, ice nine right elvis costello and the attractions <laughs> people would th- come yeah. mike still achilles stamatakali uh dan klein and uh, jim santangeli the beatles <laughs> The boldest fucking yeah, girl team. That's what you do. Yeah. Uh, the way the way we kind of wrap have been wrapping this thing up is just with all these gigs. What do you think of the word gig? What do I think of the word gig? <laughs> that beats work, man. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, beats working. Yeah. Beats working, bro. <laughs> Um, rather gig than work any day, bro, bro. <laughs> but you, so and so you live in Los Angeles. Now. I do. I just moved. Yeah, you just moved to Los Angeles. So you're here. For this CBGB's festival, it right. is so weird. And knife to, show. <laughs> it's weird to come and stay, to, to come to New York and stay in a hotel. Yeah, it's very weird. And I, folks are you know, dads in Mexico. Dads in Mexico. Down My mom's Mexico on the way. Upper East Side, but she is gonna move to Los Angeles like, right. as soon as possible. She is done here too. Yeah. It's it's become very hard to live here. It's just yeah. not what it it's it's not the New York that I grew up in. This is another generation's New York. Right. That's how I feel. Well right. listen, you've got you've got this thing you gotta do, and then you're flying back in a couple of days. Yeah. I am uh I'm gonna go to uh Times Square and be the horrible douchebag disc jockey that introduces <laughs> Super Chunk. I feel awful about it. Do your it. job. <laughs> uh, and then no, and then I'm gonna host a, a screening of Times Square at the Anthology Film oh, Archives. Because the okay. CB's festival contacted me, like, what would you like to do? And I said, Well, I'd love to do a show at UCB. Uh, you know, we should get the, the, the theater involved in in the festival. And they were like, Yeah, we're talking to them, we don't know what to do. And I said, I'll do a show. So I called Klausner and I called uh, Gethard and we did that show last night. And then um, and then I said I'd love to show uh, like like a great punk rock movie yeah. said it'd be great to show this movie Times Square here's the deal studio that made it doesn't exist anymore <laughs> there's two prints that exist um, on the planet 
Uh, one of them is with a private collector in San Francisco. One of them is at the North Carolina School of the Arts. Anyway, good luck. Bye. <laughs> um, and I got that information from the movie geek from wow. Beat the Geeks. Uh, That's amazing. Uh, so, Mark Hauk. You got. There's a lot of stuff you have to do to to get home. Yeah. You know, you got a car, <laughs> plane. We just want you to get home safe. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Always kills But it me. took me so long to get there. This one worked out so good. He does it every fucking podcast. <laughs> Worst gig ever. <laughs>